Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Angela Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Brett Freeman. Hi everyone. Jonathan Lee. Hello everybody. And Chance Crawford. Hello, hello. Alright, so uh, we got, it's been a little bit since we recorded, so we got some news. Um, we played some X-Wing this weekend. Uh, we have some XTC finals, and we have some news that we can recap uh, as far as card releases and stuff like that uh, that we are behind on, so we can probably tell our opinions on things if uh, it matters to you. But uh, So why don't we start off with Armada? Um, AMG basically put out a statement saying that they have nothing in the works for Armada right now. I know Armada people are hopeful, asking that they think that's going to be, uh, you know, more stuff in the works, and they're just kind of taking a hiatus. But, I mean, from experience being an Imperial Assault player originally and uh, all of that stuff, I think this might be the nail in the coffin for Armada. I mean, basically the same thing happened to us, where they basically said nothing was coming out, but they still released organized play stuff for us, and then, you know, it was the final worlds and all this stuff, and nothing more ever came from it. So I I know it is hard and upset, but I I think at the same time, um, people are probably very upset that, you know, they just released these new factions, and they aren't going to be able to like really expand on them as they were hoping. But uh, I know it's tough, and I know the Armada crew is super patient. It's a very balanced game, but um, it, it does sting a little bit. Um, with that being said, I mean, well, it's interesting to see what's going to be in the works for the next uh, couple of years. So, like, or Jonathan, when does the contract renew with AMG or with LFL, or if they renew it? You remember? You mean when does the um, you know I don't recall. Right. Okay. So it was, it was like twenty twenty three. Regardless, maybe that's when it would possibly, if that happens, um, AMG would get the renewal of the contract. Maybe they'll have the two point But I, you know, it, it kind of stinks. Um, seeing so many of these Star Wars games fall between Imperial Assault, Armada, Destiny. Um, But I think at the same time, it's also like they are trial and error. Um, I think, obviously, they want to line their pockets as much as possible. So if they know that something is demanding a lot of resources that they can't keep up with, um, then it doesn't make sense to put all the resources into it. And the only thing that makes the pause seem kind of likely here is just with the switch to AMG and how they are so understaffed, it seems, uh, that it could also just be a way to, you know, reduce initial upfront costs while not officially killing the game. And then maybe once they get a hang of, you know, handling Legion and X-Wing on top of uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, then they could maybe start working on some Armada stuff. But it definitely doesn't look good for them at all. No, I, I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I'd be, if I was a gambling man, and I am, I'd put money that uh, we won't be seeing any more Armada, which is a shame, like I said. Um, but 
it, it is what it is at this point, I think. And I mean, I honestly, if X Wing were tomorrow to be like, oh, no more X Wing, I think I'd be okay with it. I mean, <laughs> I would not. But I, yeah, knew I, would. I would not. But like I said, I mean, like we have a lot of. I, I would say that like, they're on two different uh, levels. I, I think um, as Star Wars and Disney produces more content, it's a lot easier to um, produce ships and everything where I feel like Armada might not have been. And uh, I mean, we, we still have a whole backlog of ships that probably still need to come out. And with the uh, coming out with these new series and the Mandalorian and uh, possible new movies, uh, it's very easy to add ships, and uh, I would say the same thing kind of goes for a Legion, where um, they can add characters and units and stuff like that, where uh, with Armada, it's a very, very fine-tuned um, game, and I'm not sure if, like, the the dollar signs were there for AMG and Asmodee um, to continue it, which is very unfortunate, but I think at the same time, um, I wouldn't say, or I would say it probably makes sense, but um, and any takes on that, you guys? Um, I mean, it was a fun game, kind of. I bought a bunch of it, <laughs> and most of it is just sitting in a box in my garage right now. Um, but uh, the models were really nice. That's really the best I got. <laughs> I mean, it must be hard, maybe hard, to support that many games. And the more Star Wars games you have, eventually they must start cannibalizing each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I feel like it went very hard, very fast. I mean, with just everything. Like, imagine if IA, if they're trying to support Imperial Assault alongside supporting Legion, they must like they would probably cannibalize each other in some uh, to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's funny because I literally the story goes that I bought Imperial Assault the weekend that. Uh, the weekend before Legion was announced, and I was just like, "Great!" And then everyone promised me, "No, no, they're two different games. They're two different games." But I mean, we all saw what happened, and they are very two different games. But that is exactly what kind of happened. Is that I feel like uh, a lot of players that wanted that um, scale game went to Legion, and uh, it, it makes sense uh, from a business perspective that Legion is definitely the better, um, not better game, I would say, but um, Definitely is the money maker compared to the two. Yeah, that hobby aspect really brings a lot of people in. Right. And obviously, I, I definitely think so. and Armada, they just don't get that. Yeah, and I think um, like the tabletop market, at least for minis, is still is small enough that like you just can't. Yeah, it's it's not like video games where you could probably release like ten different Star Wars video games or ten different whatever video games and they wouldn't really affect each other to the same degree right so i mean i i think uh, i don't i i see that there's probably like a lot of tabletop um not gamers uh like what you're saying brett about like the miniatures like it, there's a whole like hobby aspect to it too where i think like when you have all these, you know, vehicles and everything like that, like, I, I think that definitely brings a lot to the table that Imperial Assault might not have, or, I mean, Armada doesn't hit that, like, mark. It almost seems like they, they did 
two one of each team like uh and, and can i compare it to two to see what the successor was and, and like i'm not comparing saying x-wing is the same as Imperial, um armada but i i think as far as a business standard and uh putting their resources into x-wing as opposed to armada might be the better business choice um which uh, like i said is unfortunate to say uh, but let's go on to R.I.P. Armada. I feel bad for anyone that is listening that is that point. Let's talk about East Coast Gamers now. Who wants to go first? Uh, East Coast Gamers, Mike Bird did a great job. Always does a great job uh, running these events. He puts so much time and support into them. He is such an asset to the community. Like, we're really lucky to have him. He, he literally puts all his like time and energy and money into these things so um we can't commend him enough for all this stuff uh if you ever are on the new jersey area de- definitely take a look at his uh for his events he tries to run one once a month um so i think it was starting number was 32 people correct yeah that what 32 people total Right. Which, which was a little disappointing, but I think, like, because it just seemed like it was going to be 40, but uh, I, I right. think with, you know, it, the COVID flaring up a little more that uh, it may have scared some people off. Yeah, and, and I, I think it filled up very quick, so, I mean, some people that might have been on the wait list or um, might not have had an opportunity, but it, it was still, I think 32 is still a, a great number. Um it was only four rounds, which uh, I understand why it was. Um, I wish there was another round, but uh, I, it is okay. Um, so it was still I'm, I'm a great sure. event. I'm pretty sure they said for the future events they're gonna they're gonna be adding at least one more round because they did do a poll on it, and enough people said that they didn't want to do it for this tournament that they weren't gonna change it last minute, but that they're most likely gonna add for the for the future events. So that's something to look forward to. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Any time that uh, he runs an event, I think it is great, and he puts on such a show, and they're, it's a fun time. I had a blast flying in the tournament again. I had a really fun list. Um, uh, I, I came to play the game, as all my opponents will tell you. <laughs> and I ended up going 3-1. I tabled Brent. I... Wait. Wait. Um, <laughs> you did not anyway, table so, Brett. Uh, I'm gonna go first. I heard you tabled Brett. I also heard you this. heard that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bunch if of people there people told me it, too. It must be true. All right. So anyway, my list was a, a lot of fun. I decided to go with a 120 point Boba, where it was Boba with Marauder, Han Gunner, uh, Lone Wolf. Uh, Contraband Cybernetics, um, which I'm not going to lie, was probably one of the best calls I've made. In, like, I want to say, like, that, but, like, there was that one turn that, like, it absolutely was needed. It, it was just kind of like, it was if I needed to open up a tile or make a cheeky move, um, as far as Boba, you possibly, uh, there was one turn where I had to do a uh, Talon roll that I could boost with it, and then I was able to Han Gunner still, where it didn't really matter that I was double stressed at that point, but it was still, um, it was nice to do. Um, am I missing anything? I had shield upgrade on him, thermal detonators, which thermals were a little disappointing. They're good, I, I think, but um, 
if you actually i think think. people know not to tell boba (laughs) so it's kind of like the three times that i set off my uh detonators i think i maybe did one damage um or one even hit so it it was it was okay i don't know if uh, if they're going up in price it might be something that i would shed off uh, then we had Ketsu with the Shadow Cancel title, Fearless, Zam Wessel, Crew, Hull Upgrade, and False Transponder Codes, which paired so nicely with uh, with <clears throat> uh, Zam Wessel, Crew, that it, it, it was a lot of fun. And, and like, it, it did damage. It was a lot of points. Um, uh, you know, there were decent points, Fortresses, and I think... Um, it was a take on a old 1.0 list um, that went around, and it, it did its job. Jonathan, did I tell you about how I tabled Brett? Uh, no, but I did hear from lots of different people, including Zach, wow. that you were uh, that you did table Brett. Tell me about it. So, so all right, so I this could have, this could have been like a cinematic moment. Like, so I, I was able to get like a pincer off on his pesky little Jedi flying around. And, you know, I had Bobo on one side of them. I had Kexo on the other side of them. Kind of fell right into my trap. And here comes poor little Anakin flying in in between the two of them. And Kexu was just like, all right, I'm going to take a nice little shot at Anakin. And she does. And trackers Anakin into range one of Boba. Just so now one lucky damage in. One less die in, you know, on his defense. And Boba is, now has rerolls and is modded up and is able to just obliterate Anakin. Like I said, like in my mind, I'm just visualizing like a movie where Anakin is just getting trackered and blasted by the fire spray. And it was so much fun. Um, and then uh, the rest, I, I think I just cleaned up the rest of the Jedi, which was easy enough to do. So that's how I tabled Brett, right? Brett, is that how you remember it? I mean, I remember getting some points, but I, I remember most <laughs> of those events happening. I don't remember any points given. Um, but no, I, like I said, it was, it was a ton of fun. Like, I'm very confident in this list, and I even started, like, tinkering around with this list after point change because I feel like Zam's going up. I feel like thermals are going up. So I, I definitely think it's something that uh, I'm going to mess around with a lot further um, with this awesome two-ship meta going around. Um, but w- one of the things that uh, all my opponents were great. Kristoff uh, was great. That was a you know the a match that literally came down to time and went to the very last roll. Um, Four or three or four rounds with a console fire, not doing a, a single damage onto your dash that I needed. Um, that was one of the the, the better matches. Um, but and it was it was a relaxed event. Like that's the thing. It's like like I said, I I came to play the game. I was making sure that like you know I, nothing crazy was happening, and it was like I had a fun time. Like. That was like the thing that I want to talk about. There's been a lot of talk about people with like fortresses going on and stuff like that. And it's like at the same time, it's like none of these are like FFG or AMG sanctioned events that it's kind of like, why are you like going? Why would you go to events and like, you know, do that kind of stuff? And and like that, I I get it. It's a play style and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're going to like a um, kit tournament like that, like, 
there was plenty of opportunities that I could have point fortress and ran away and, you know, got to the got to the outer skirts of the table where it would have been like, you know, four or five turns to make sure I make the proper engagement and all this stuff. And, and But I think at the same time, it was an event that, you know, I, I'm here to play 200-point deathmatch, and that's what I did. Um, and I had a blast doing it. Like, it, I, every single one of my games, I, I think, was so much fun. And even when I, I made Brett move most of my ships because I played on his side of the table. That was by far my favorite game. Um, but it, that that was my take from the day that, like I said, like I, it, it was a fun event. I had fun because I flew what I wanted to fly and I played the way I wanted to play as opposed to really worrying about like what place I came in or anything like that. Like So um, that was my take for the day. I think I summed it up pretty well, Jonathan, uh, of how I tabled Brett, right? Sounds good. I feel like I was there. You just like picture the movie, like a movie of like a shadow caster on the one side, like zooming in, and you see the fire spray, and just like, uh oh. I seem to remember that happening in the background of that final battle in Rise of Skywalker, the shadow caster hunting down Anakin in that mess of ships. I feel like it's what happened. I should just like wait for LFL. It did have that one really cool move, though, where I decided to bump a ship right into Ketsu. And then I plow tractored, or plowed away the tractor token to give my plow a shot on you. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, was that also the same turn that Obi died, though? No, I don't. I, it may have been, actually. I, I really don't recall. No, no. I, I, I think you lived no, no, two no, more he, turns. I think he flew he, towards he the corner. Down to one after, after that turn, he was full and went down to one until you started R5-ing cards away. So I was just like, whatever. I was like, oh, we'll let him have it. But Got it. anyway, so uh, that was my take on the day. How how do you guys look? See, that's why didn't you go? You had fun. Are you saying you didn't? Uh, so yeah, no, I I did have a really good time. Uh, I agree with everything Andrew said, but uh, I I also went three and one. I lost. I unfortunately lost my last game in a very very good, very close, down to the wire match. Um, but I flew <clears throat> a uh, Vader in the uh, TIE Advanced with fire control, proton rockets, and afterburners. Uh, Sutir fell with Predator and uh, the Grand Inquisitor with proton rockets, and which left me with a seven-point bid. Um, so I had two sixes and a five, and two of them hit like an absolute truck uh, with a seven-point bid on top of it all. Um so yeah, now this this list was a blast to fly. People, I, I I don't know if people just aren't used to seeing proton rockets on Darth Vader and the Grand Inquisitor. Everyone's used to seeing it on all the A wings and uh, like the little Barons and stuff. So people really didn't anticipate that five dice focused target lock shot coming in from Vader, which just it just either completely cripples a ship or just wipes it clean off the table. Um, because, you know, Vader needed to hit even harder than he already does. Um, but no, I, I had an awesome, awesome time. I had to play against a TIE Swarm, which I seem to have to do every single tournament that I go to. One way or another, I end up against a TIE Swarm. But, uh, no, overall, it was an awesome time. I do wish that they add, 
I, I do really hope they add more rounds to the tournament because uh, we, as we were talking about before the podcast, it really creates this crunch in the top like 10, 12 players uh, separated by such small amounts of MOV. Like a fifth round really helps spread it out a little bit more. Um, so I'm really hoping that's something they do for future events. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, Mike Bird, awesome, awesome job, awesome prizes. They had the Star Wars movies playing on TVs in the front of the store. All, they played, I think they got all the way up to episode five, I think, by the time we were done. It was five or six. I, I wasn't paying complete attention because I was playing. But uh, no, nah, just awesome, awesome place. Uh, but I think Brett had an even better time than I did. Right, right. And I think Brett had a really good time. And uh, I tell you what, I do have to head out a little bit early from this episode. So I'm going to let Brett go. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to tell everyone about how we got tabled. Um, and, and then I'll have to listen to this later. I was excited for your hot takes. This is disappointing. Well, what? Do this your hot, my takes. hot take. For what? I don't know. You said you had some hot takes. No, I was just saying the hot takes on the uh, the uh, tournament, and, and uh, about just uh, that I enjoyed it being more of a casual tournament and going to play the game, as opposed to that is literally um, the coldest take I've ever heard. You know what? I had fun playing X Wing. Hot take. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it was a blast tabling Brett. Okay. That's a good way for me to go. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Make sure they fill you in on everything, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. All right, so I had a rough time at East Coast Gamers. I will not lie. I brought this crappy three Jedi list uh, that had a total of 11 health, and uh, I went up against uh, two lists that had trackers and then one list that was a double-tapping dash with uh right i just want to point out my list only has 12 health i don't so. care about you <laughs> no excuses I don't, I don't care it was it was bad i i made a stupid decision in list building i made stupid decisions uh the way i was playing the damage deck was definitely not my friend um but i gotta say i really uh kind of went on tilt and was not a good experience and i am sad about it because these events do only happen once a month now um, I did not get tabled by Andrew, though. He is completely full of shit. Um, but... <laughs> I, I was there, it happened. But that's okay. It did not happen. I got half points on his ships. Um, but, uh, it was... You know, Mike did a great job. None of this, obviously, has anything to do with the event itself. My opponents were, were all very nice. It was just, uh... Right? I, I brought a list that I had never put on a table before, and I, I just think that that's not a smart decision that might be my hot take that practice is good well what um you've you're flying triple jedi yeah so it was anakin in the eta 2 with like the the auto blaster uh sh shenanigans uh plo Koon with clt and chopper just because i love chopper and after the silent or the whisper comes out you might not want to be putting jam tokens on other people because that just helps them um so i wanted to get one more tournament in with him and then Obi-Wan with uh, CLT and uh, the, the like card repair droid R5 uh, astromech. And then I had two copies of Sense on there. Um, so, I don't know. It was just 
it, it went very poorly from the beginning for me. Uh, I had a very good second round where I went up against uh, another Jedi Ace list, and I had a significantly bigger bid and two copies of Sense just to do even more shenanigans to it, so that, that one was went in my favor. But uh, except for playing a list that I was designed to build or to beat, uh, the whole day just really, really went poorly for me. Um, but I was excited to see so many of our Liberty Squadron uh, guys there doing well. Um, I think we had like 10 or 12 people somewhere in that range show up. Uh, so yeah. we really had a very good showing. Oh, wow. Um, and it was good to see just some people we have not seen, uh, you know, in a year or so. Uh, that that was really fun. So the tournament itself was good. My play was very disappointing. Um, and I need to start practicing again. That was so my one, Two things I want to piggyback, actually, that you reminded me about. Uh, we, one, I did want to say, yeah, it was great getting to see even more friends that we didn't see last month. Uh, that we, again, haven't seen in, you know, one to two years at this point. So that's always awesome. Um, but one thing, a uh, big takeaway for me for this tournament is um, learn your opponent's triggers. And uh, Scum has too much uh, too, too much jank for me to keep track of and remember. I just, uh, those are my two big takeaways from from this tournament. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I want to give a shout out to, to Chris Perez, because I think this is what you're talking about. And I played yeah. Chris in the first round, and Chance played him in the fourth round, and I was I was watching their game. They were like on you know the top table or number two. I mean it was there, there was a good chance that whoever won that game could win the entire event, and it was it was extremely close. Um, and Chris had gotten uh, a ton of damage cards on his Dengar, including a loose stabilizer. He's down to one, and uh, he comes up with the brilliant play. To just, you know what, kill his Dengar because he has Dead Man Switch on there. And it brought Chance's Vader down to one hull. And uh, he was able to get finished off in the next attack. And it was just... like I Against Tarani with about two hull left. Yeah. So generally, I always remind my opponent, oh my, hey, you got loose stabilizer, don't forget that one. Because that's a bad one to forget. Especially when you're down to one hull. Um... And I, I even almost said something, but you guys were, you know, in a kind of a pretty competitive game, so I didn't want to, you know, be accused of giving anyone, like, a reminder. And then he does the one hard, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, I should have said something. But it's completely deliberate. It was great. It was such a good move. Chris was a yeah. really nice guy, and that was just great to watch. So I, I, I want to give him for a, you. Big, a big shout-out for that. And come on, you, I was, have to, you have to appreciate a brilliant move I, when I, someone I does. can appreciate it, but I was just sitting there like I never in a million years would have thought or have seen this, seen this coming. And if I had, there's a big chance if I had remembered that, that I probably would have ran a little bit more with Vader into a more advantageous position against his last ship. But I just, I, I never in a million years would think that to, to one hard, kill yourself, and then blow up and damage my ship and put him down to one hull. But it's also uh, which the kind also of thing you never prepared for, right? Because yeah, I, you I, had to get I the also... specific crits on him that you got <laughs> yeah. on him. I also never, uh, I, I completely forgot about Dead Man Switch that whole game. So on my 12 health list... Dead Man Switch dealt four damage total to my list. Wow. Uh, between yeah, between two ships. Yeah. So forgetting uh, so the first was... Dead Man Switch, I can understand that. But after you've already lost 
you know, a quarter of your list's health to Dead Man Switch, you should probably remember it for the rest. Oh, did they got you twice? Yeah, well, the the, the, yeah. the, the first one was, I, I'll admit, was more or less my, my fault, because I went into range one to try to, you know, do more damage to take a... Uh, we'll just go over his list real, real quick. It was uh, Dengar, Tarani, and Asajj. Uh, and Asajj had Zam, uh, and Asajj more or less got handed to me, so I went into range one to try to initiative killer off the board, which I did do, and then proceeded to hurt my entire list in the meantime. The second, the second uh, Dead Man switch was kind of out of my control, um, which is why it was such an amazing maneuver for him to pull off, because there was literally nothing I could do about it because of when it happened. And uh, there was almost nothing he could do to win the game, I'm I'm thinking watching him. You had him in such uh, a position of of power on your side, and yeah. somehow he was able to to come up with that. I don't know. It was maybe it's the kind of thing where if you fly a lot of scum and dead man switches, like you see those opportunities come up a lot more often than I'd imagine, and and you know it's something you're you're used to doing. But in the moment, at least, it was just you know. It was I was fantastic. completely, I was completely dumbfounded. Like it took a moment for me to realize what had just happened, because I, I don't, I've never really flown against Dead Man's Switch. So that even that, a ship purposely killing itself to trigger Dead Man is something that never occurred to me in my wildest dreams would happen. So I thought he was just trying to, like, get Dengar out of the way for his other ship to do some crazy maneuver or something. And, and he's like, yeah, and it destroys, and Invader takes damage. And I'm like, what? It's almost... <laughs> Everyone sitting around the table was like, oh my god. And I'm like, no, what, what do you mean I take a damage? Dengar's dead, what? <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, like it was when, uh, very impressive. When these stupid Imperial Discipline pilots just, you know, put themselves in range one so they can die, and their buddies can then get their double modded rockets off or something. <laughs> yeah, but you still you still have to roll dice. In, in that in that regard it's true but yeah so yeah i think he definitely deserves a shout out for that one though um, yeah and yeah. Like he was said, also he just was an awesome guy. guy yeah um any other lists in particular you want to talk about from from this event um we will talk about the list that ended up winning the whole thing uh essentially by a, by about 150 mov because there was only two lists that were uh four and oh um, not gonna lie, not what I expected to see at first, but it was, uh, Braylon Stram with Auto Blasters, Jamming Beam, Stabilized S-Foils, B6 Bladewing Prototype, and Sabine Wren Gunner. Two cards I've uh, literally never seen played before, so that's cool. Same, I actually had to look up because I didn't remember what Sabine or the prototype did. Uh, Hera in the A-Wing with Proton Rockets, Jake with Proton Rockets. And then Garvin in the X-Wing with Advanced Proton Torpedoes. Um, so I can see where it is, because that, that's a lot of firepower. But uh, I, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised, considering some of the other lists that were in the field, that this was able to do so, so well. So props to the guy, you know, props to Spencer, uh, the guy that uh, took the top, rat, top spot. Props to him, but uh, not exactly what I expected to see. Yeah, because, I mean, Hera, Jake, and Garvin, like, those are, are pretty yeah. much staples, right? Like, Jake sometimes is, uh, you know, a, a different ship, but you, you see Hera and Garvin often together. And generally, I've never you... seen Garvin with advanced proton torpedoes. I've seen some lists that do Garvin with regular proton torpedoes, 
because Hera can pass locks to him and Jake can pass focuses to him and all sorts of crazy stuff. So he can get a proton torpedo off on you from way further away than you think he can. Um, but yeah, I've never seen advanced on there. Yeah, no, so I, I haven't that seen that on him. there a lot. I mean, the one thing that works very well with that is that, I mean, Garvin is basically free to just take a target lock every turn because Hera could just give him a focus as necessary and then... Or Jake. Could... Yeah, but as, assuming that Jake will give it to Hera. Um, yeah. So that way she has, you know, a focus or an evade to pass around. Uh, but no, she... Yeah, I guess Jake could also give it to Garvin and then Hera ends up with two focuses. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways that you could make that work to get that double mod there. Um, so I think Advanced Proton is a good idea there. I'm still just trying to figure out Braylon because, um, like, Braylon it, it, really seems feel like, like he's he... not going to be able to keep up with those ships. But he also just doesn't mesh with the focus shenanigans because he, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's right. usually taking a focus with, you know, the, the whole barrel roll or whatnot. Or I guess in this case, he might be taking target locks. Yeah, because of the uh, the stabilized S foils, but yeah, I don't know. He just doesn't feel like he meshes with the rest of uh, the rest of the list super super well. So I don't know if he just hangs back and then comes in after Hera and Jake, you know, kind of make their runs or or what. I unfortunately didn't get to to watch any of his games except like the last round against one of our locals, uh, uh, Matt, um, who was flying. Uh, Grand Inquisitor, Whisper, and Suntir, and it was down to Braylon and Suntir left. Uh, but that's all I caught. So yeah, like I said, again, props to him. I mean, that Braylon, it Braylon, it just feels a little expensive, and it feels yeah. like he would just die. Because I mean, I think he's first target. I mean, you see him rolling up. I think you'd shoot him first. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he, he's also the easiest. Like yeah, that. he's the he's... easiest. He's 61 points, so he's the most 10 points more than Garvin, which is the second most expensive ship. Because, like, Braylon needs other people you want to shoot at. Mm -hmm. You know, you see Braylon rolling up, but then you're... Uh... Yeah, like, I like him. The I like Braylon a lot. But... only 48 points, you know, with Jin and... Uh, I'm sorry, 49 points with Jin and Moldy Crow. Yeah. So that, that 61 is, is a big number. But, I mean, clearly it did some work. Um, the, the interesting thing I guess we were talking about before was with Sabine on there. Um, and I'm not going to go through Sabine's card because it is just a gigantic block of text. But essentially, if you do damage card, you can maybe strip off a, uh, a stress token from Braylon, who at I-4 might be shooting last, and then at least have an open dial. Um, so that's like one potentially very helpful interaction there. Uh, I don't know how often, though, you're counting on doing that damage card um, with your special attacks, you know, so it would have to be his auto blaster. But it, uh, it at least does help a little with the stress where, you know, normally you would need something like Cassian. Um, yeah, and it, unlike, that. and it's not like it's it's not like it's 10 who can just easily spend spend the stress. Braylon, Braylon has to shed it no, the normal way, normally. No, uh, uh, if we're done talking about this list, are we done talking about this? Yeah, list? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I know you mentioned that Tie Swarm. Was it Will Brooks in ten? It uh, was Will Brooks flying the Tie Swarm, and I actually had to play against him. 
It just looks like a very traditional tie swarm, and it's mm -hmm. like I actually <laughs> I know you don't like the tie swarm, but it's great to see like a wave. It's like a wave one, like yeah. a two point wave one list, and it's great. It's to not see that it. I don't like yeah. the tie swarm. It's it's a more I think that every single time Will brings a tie swarm, I get paired with him in Swiss, almost every single time, and it's usually a decently close game. Will flies um, the tie swarm very very well. Yeah, like he's been, I, he's been I, playing this list. Like for two years, I think. Like I think this I, is uh, exactly the same. I forgot exactly how Sen worked, and in my brain, Sen's ability only worked in the bullseye. Uh, so I had Suntier range three focus behind a gas cloud. Like ah, uh, he's he'll he'll be fine, no worries. And Sane just rolled a, a crit out of hand, and I'm like, no, what do you mean? I get to roll six dice. I'm not supposed to take damage here. Uh, and she just slips a crit under right through everything and, and completely took me. And then actually Sane actually also killed Grain Inquisitor because I, in a really dumb move, left him in Sen's bullseye, which let her just slip a crit into him and just instant uh, kill him under his shields. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a solid, it's a solid list. It's, it's, it's just, if it's all about if you know how to play around it. Yeah, and with your three aces, that's it's not a matchup and, you hate seeing. No, and also two proton rockets. One proton rocket got the Iden charge, uh, and one other proton rocket just wiped a Tie Fighter off the board. And it actually kind of really sucks to have to waste a rocket on Iden, but um... yeah, at the same time, I was able to get the Iden charge off really early, uh, so it it was it was worth it. Yeah, and and with a you know a list like a house swarm, they're gonna be flying in a block, so you're gonna get bullseye on something in that block. Like that's the easiest bullseye you'll probably have all day. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So that was that was Will. I mean, anything else that we think is worth talking about here? I mean, it, a lot of it seems like what you would expect. I mean, there was a four uh, um, gunboat list. So that's, you know, that's a nice yeah. gunboat flex, I guess. But um, I don't think there's any other lists really worth discussing from this event. Um, not uh, not in not in particular. But this was not the only thing going on this weekend. I know this is probably the event most people were tuning into was watching us at, at ECG. But there was this little thing called, uh, you know, the X-Wing Team Championship going on. And it was the finals this week. Um, and it was actually pretty interesting. I mean, I think you and I both watched a good amount of it, Chance, right? Like, what was yep. your, uh, well, I guess first let's say, uh, you know, congrats to Italy, uh, who won. Uh, the United States got second place, and Singapore Ooh. got third. All three teams were tied with team wins. Uh, they'd all won seven matches. And I, I think the way the final standings broke out was that Italy had won 38 individual games, the U.S. had won 37 individual games. That is correct. And Singapore had won 36. So it was as tight of a final as you could possibly get. Yeah. Um, so that that was really exciting. Like, I was watching this, and I felt like it was like March Madness. I was so excited watching, uh, you know, like, can U.S. actually pull off a 7-0 <laughs> or a 6-1 in the, the final round and come back and pull this thing out? Um, so that, I don't know, that was really cool. Um, what was... Like was that kind of your experience as well? Yeah, yeah, same. And it was it was also just cool seeing uh seeing Singapore, which is an area that you know 
we've never really heard of in the X-Wing community. Normally you hear about... Um, Excuse me, sir. Spain. They have a world champion. That, that's that's what I mean is they're kind of... A, well, they're one of the more up-and-coming, though. Like, normally you're used to hearing about England and Germany and, like, Sweden and and uh, and Spain and whatnot. Poland. 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 That's the other one I was trying to think of, right? Because there's a lot of big names and, and players from uh, from those areas. But Singapore, being relatively new to the, the X-Wing scene, all things considered, has really shown that they are not to be messed around with. Um, and I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that really also the... While I'm not the biggest fan of TTS, it is awesome that TTS has enabled things like the XTC for so many more players and so many more countries... Um, to be able to participate that might not be able to afford to, s or the people might not be able to afford, you know, s flying seven people out to wherever they normally, um, wherever they normally hold it. So uh, it, it really, that it, it is an awesome part about TTS, how it can help us connect with people that we might never have gotten to meet or play against ever before. Well, and just the fact that it was on TTS, it made this become like a three month event, I think. It might have actually yeah. been four months. Right, so normally with XTC, like the way it would go, right, is it's all done in one day, right? Like you have to be watching like 24 hours of X-Wing in one day if you want to get this type of experience. We're here, we got to sort of follow along week by week. You know, we all got to hear about Carson Ray's, like, you know, heroics. Those are the kind of things that you're not really getting to, to experience because there's only really one or two streams there. Here there's like 12 streams that were going on, so you could actually watch yeah. most of the games yeah there was phenomenal to. coverage especially so there was phenomenal coverage of the regular group format and then there was phenomenal coverage of the final stage like you said i think there was like 12 different uh streams up of of matches all going on simultaneously which is awesome um but one thing i think we we have to talk about is uh go team usa uh prop big props to marcel manzano going 9-0 and for Team USA in the final stage, not going completely undefeated, which is incredible. Yeah, the only person um, to go undefeated in the yeah, entire yeah. finals. And he did it only while also having person. to be the captain, right? Like, yeah, so he's also yeah. dealing with all the stress of making the, or, <laughs> or doing the pairing process. Um, and, and it is a cool pairing process. Um, and that's, you know, just extra brain power he needs. And somehow, yeah. I mean... I, I can't fly Jedi to save my life. He can fly three Jedi to, to an undefeated, uh, you know, performance well, here in the XTC it's finals. really three Jedi, Brett. That's true. One <laughs> of them is Rick, I think, right? But, uh... Oh, well, well it's, it's, it's Anakin, but it's Anakin in the N1, so I don't know if you can really count that as He's a, got a, a Jedi. <laughs> but what the, the rain thing to look at is, so this is literally, uh, I want to talk about this list real quick, because um, one of my favorite, absolute favorite X-Wing matches ever is Marcel versus Duncan in the uh, 2019 Worlds, because that is an amazing match of X-Wing. Um, and uh, this is more or less the exact same list, except in that he flew uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in the uh, Delta with R2 Astromech and Sense. So he has since switched that out for Obi in the Edda with the Sense and then the Marksmanship Auto Blasters, R7-A7 combo, and the Stealth Device. Um, so everything else, to my knowledge, is the same. Rick Olay with Daredevil, Advanced Ezra's R2, Anakin with Intimidation and Advanced Proton and all that kind of fun stuff. But it's three ships that can all pre-movement reposition. 
Obi can do it in the systems phase, and then Rick and Anakin can do it with uh, advanced sensors or Anakin with his uh, barrel roll ability. Um, so Marcel used that to his advantage, especially with Obi's sense, to an amazing degree to set up blocks and arcs and, and, and just uh, completely flew this list like a like a god practically. But uh, I definitely think it's it's something worth taking note of. Yeah, I, I played Marcel twice while he was doing that uh, that other list with Obi and the Aether Sprite. And, like, just the the advanced proton torpedo on Baby Anakin is so scary. There was one game where I, I just kept telling him, my whole win condition here is not to actually beat you, it's just to stop you from being able to get that advanced proton torp off. <laughs> and, and there's a round where he could have gotten it off, and I'm like, all right, you win, you're going to advance Proton Torp me. And he's like, what are you talking about? He barrel rolls into me, and he's like, I'm just going to intimidate you, and my other two ships are going to hit as hard. Um, <laughs> like, the way he flies that baby Anakin is so impressive. He's been doing it for so long. I, I don't think it's uh, a stretch to say he's the best baby Anakin player in the world. Um, and, I mean, I think <laughs> a lot of that comes down to, to repetition, because he's been flying a, a, a variation of this exact list for quite yeah, a while years. now. Yeah, two, yeah easily three. two years. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know how long he was practicing it pre-Worlds. Uh, so that just, I think, goes to show that repetition and uh, just knowing your dials, knowing the ships, knowing how how things play out on your side, it, it can make a huge difference. Uh, and I think Brett is a clear example of that, taking a list to East Coast gamers that he hadn't really flown before. Yeah. Don't be me. That's mm. the moral of the story. It's it's just because it's a bunch of ships you know does not necessarily mean that that list is going to fly the way you think it will. Right, and that's really um, true because I have flown so many Jedi. Now, you know, the, the uh, like, edit twos, I have not flown that much. But the Aether Sprites, I mean, I've put, you know, well over 100 games into them, sure. Um, so, you know, I kind of just thought I can skate off of that practice. But uh, it was not practiced with the list, and it clearly paid off against me. <laughs> I just thought, you know, Liberty Squadron, I'm like, you know, I could be like, AI, I don't need practice. But, you know, we don't need those sports ball jokes right now. <laughs> Jonathan, so, did you get uh, to watch any of the XTC at all? I did not watch any of it. I'm bad. I'm a bad podcast host. You're bad, Jonathan. Um... Well, it was fun. I mean, I, I do hope they do it online next year, and you should definitely check it out because it is uh, a really good time, at least this final week, for sure. Um, so any other lists that you think might be worth talking about? I know this is not a normal format, right? There's that whole pairing process yeah. that I alluded to. The, the one other list that really caught my attention was uh, the French um, Scum and Villainy list that went 8-1. and one. I, I only bring it up because it just I look at it and it just this is the most janky scum list I've ever seen. It's Castera with Deadman Switch, Tirani with cluster missiles, R5TK, contraband and munitions failsafe, Constable Zuvia with prox mines and contraband, Gargor the uh in the um the Seek with jamming beam, and then Lando with Hondo Onaka. So the trick here is Gargor can slam into uh, a bunch of enemy ships, 
and then Tarani can shoot Gargor with cluster missiles and then cancel it, but because Gargor defended, he deals a crit to everyone damaging him, but doesn't have to worry about actually defending against any shots. That I, I can't point out just how much that feels like the epitome of scum in well, this. And then this Captain Jaskara, right I'm assuming, gets his bonus attack, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, so you this you can get the bonus attack from Tarani's Bullseye ability, Constable Zuvio's Prox Mines, which right he can drop him in front of himself even, Gargoyle's <laughs> ability, like that that's three different ways to try and get that Justero out. Now if Justero dies and the Dead Man switch goes off, um, just since we were talking about something like that earlier, does he get the uh, the bonus attack in that situation? Does anyone have? I have no idea how the the rule interaction would work there. And I to, don't know. Like, because then that would be a fourth way. That would just be, like, pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that. I, I mean, one, it went eight and one, which is an impressive feat in and of itself. But it's a bunch of ships you don't you don't really see at all. You see Tarani a little bit, and we've seen Constable Zuvio a little, but Captain Justero, Gargor, and Lando in the um in the escape craft. Not ships you see a whole lot, so uh, I, I just thought this, this was really fun and, and looks really funny and was worth pointing out. Alright, so here we go. Even if though it, I don't play scum. If an effect triggers after a ship is destroyed, the effect resolves immediately before the ship is removed. So dead man switch would happen immediately. A destroyed ship's ability remain active until that ship is removed. So <laughs> I think Justero could dead man switch and then still get his bonus attack off. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's... That's pretty cool, right? Everyone but Lando has given you that uh, that potential uh, trigger there, and Lando's still you know, getting to do his coordinate shenanigans. Yeah, and, yeah, and we all know how good bonus attacks are, they especially are right now. Yeah, that's a really cool one. That was that was a good uh, a good pick there. Um, Anything catch your eye? I mean, you know me. I just like the the. I can't get away from my Republic aces, and I know this list has been talked about a lot, but I think uh, the uh, XY from Singapore's his his uh, squad with uh, Obi Wan in the uh, the Ada, the same one that, that we were just talking about Marcel having. Um, then he had Plo Koon with Sense and CLT, uh, Ricolay with R two Astromech, and then Oddball in a Torrent with Marksmanship and Proton Rockets. Um, I actually watched a match. Um of this versus i forget what country it was but it was um it was italy who ended up winning the whole thing uh with which was uh three sinar Jameis engineers the silencers and then uh malaris with proud tradition and agent Terex. and z just fl he, he flew this list like a, a a pro he he did lose rick um from the silencers going hard on Rick and Oddball did die eventually, which I think is kind of to be expected. Um, but Obi came out of that game completely unscathed, and he just ripped the silencers a new one with that marksmanship auto blasters combo. Um, and you said that um, Oddball died, but did he get his procket off first? I believe he did. Right, because that's all that matters. And apparently, he gets yeah. his procket off almost every game here. Right, he's an, he's an I five. And his ability actually kind of can work really well when you have Plo Koon, who can just pass you over a focus token when 
uh, at the start of activation. So he can, uh, you know, barrel roll into a red evade, which then gives him that free target lock and get the, the focus from Plo so he can have a double modded procket with a marksmanship, uh, you know, to kind of make it an APT, really more than just a, a proton rocket. And that's a pretty solid, you know, 29 or 30 points that you can you can put on there. Because if they want to spend all the time, like, killing Oddball, like, you're totally fine with that. And those those <laughs> torrents with the, the five hull and the evade... Yeah, they you have last to put long. A... Yeah. They always last one shot longer than you want them to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I... I... That's not a, a new list. I think he's been flying that one for a number of months, but uh, yeah. I still think it's really cool. Like, I... yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely one to take note of. Anything catching your eye, Jonathan? Yeah, that I I have never seen oddball in any form. I think on the table that sounds really <laughs> interesting. Um, looking at the. I guess the format, since like all the factions are very evenly represented, there are a lot of it's, it was one hundred percent represented because every country has to have one list from each faction. Like, so all these first order, lots of first order swarms, separatist swarms. Uh, just looking here, I was just looking at oh, Germany number eleven wedge Han Jake. It feels that feels kind of old school. Yeah, yeah, that is uh. I've never been able to keep Wedge alive long enough to really bring him. So, <laughs> always impressed That's... when someone can do well with him. I, I, you know me, I almost exclusively fly initial, you know, three, three agility Tie Fighters. So if I see a Wedge on the table, I, I don't care what the rest of the list is. That Wedge is dying. Yeah, like if you saw Wedge Han Jake, you go after Wedge. One for yes, Wedge first. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like he can't get away. And he dies if you shoot him, and then. Mm -hmm. No, I mean I think. Uh... No, that was the only that. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting lists here, but nothing else I want to highlight or talk about. Okay, gotcha. Anything else that you have on this one, Chance? Um. Not not I I, I am curious how the one first order listed uh it's number five for uh from france uh it's hollow with proud tradition two of uh two zeta squadron survivors special forces gunner one zeta with eight with automated target priority uh and then tn3465 in the fo with automated target priority which is the one who can take a crit to give you to change one of your results to a crit um I'm not gonna lie. I've I'm just surprised this list did as well as it did, looking at the rest of the uh, the rest of the field. Uh, I would think that this would burn down pretty pretty quick. Um, so this stands it stands out to me only because I don't think it's that good and it did really well. So goes to show what I know. Yeah, seven wins, right? I mean that's mm -hmm. it's, it's not Marcel's nine, but that's still pretty impressive. I mean, but also at eight wins, we have four T four T sixty fives, and then two uh, bandit squadrons with thread tracers, and that went eight and one. <laughs> I'll just take just that list me. to final salvo, right? Like that's fine. 16, yeah, 16 yeah. red dice, nothing to worry about. Yeah, uh, just just joust it. It's not a problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and then there's some five ship uh, resistance kind of stuff. Yeah, um, the the same thing we've been seeing, you know, jazz two T seventies, then. Finn and Rose, 
I think uh, I, I always joke that first order lists start at 200 points minus 76 because you have to have Kylo Ren. Um, I'm pretty sure resistance at this point starts with whatever Finn and heroic and then Rose in the pod is, and then you build the rest of the list because those two are just so good. Yeah, I think the only reason you wouldn't points. take them is if you're taking Death Ray because then you want the uh, the gunner and the crew. Very true. Um, all right, so we got a couple of minor spoilers since the last time we uh we we were podcasting so um it's honestly nothing too too impressive but uh we might as well talk about them for a minute um there was another fo bomber uh who got spoiled this one is dread and he is after you reload each ship in your bullseye gains one deplete token uh so it's each ship so it would include friendly ships so uh i guess if you're reloading make sure you're doing it in a safe spot um and it's an i3 I think this ship is not particularly great. Right? I will like, this say... This is kind of a generic in my mind. I, this this might be going a little out there, but there is that new First Order gunner that gives you rerolls for ships, I think, in ARC that have uh, red, to red non-lock tokens. You could do some kind of crazy jank of giving one of your own ships that's disengaging or something a deplete token to give yourself re-rolls i don't know i'm 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 stretching a little bit here yeah because i mean at that point also you're reloading so you're getting a weapons disabled token yeah um, yeah and i don't think first order has anything to get rid of weapons disabled yeah if it wasn't for the weapons disabled i i could see this right but it's it's gonna be a ship that's gonna be in front of you so you're gonna have to to give up a shot on a ship potentially like, it's either going to be your friendly ship or you're giving up a shot on a target in front of you to try and do this deplete token to, to reload. Now, maybe mm -hmm. you really need to reload that proton torpedo and, you know, that not taking that two-die shot is fine, but um, I don't know. I could, I could see this, being that it's an I-3, I could see this as a, you know, you roll up a bullseye of an I-5 or I-6 ace ship that you basically know is not going to be there when they move. So you can roll up, uh, reload, and this actually kind of ties into the next card that got spoiled, because normally the, the FO Bomber has a reload into a Red Evade, which is still good, but uh, the other new card that got spoiled is a First Order Ordnance Tech, which is a First Order only gunner, which just grants you a white reload into linked into a white target lock. Um, so you could roll up reload target lock said ace give them a deplete and then kind of set yourself up for next turn um and you know you're reloading to, like you said get that proton torpedo back but you, when you know that that you know ace just isn't going to be in your arc uh this turn but you're setting yourself up for the future yeah that's the, the one part where it could be good but then you think about it what's an ace probably doing a blue maneuver so yeah. that deplete's just gonna yeah. go away if it was a strain, and there's more ways, I feel, to give out strains than deplete tokens, then, you know, it's possible you could double strain someone so one's going to stick around. But uh, right, with a blue maneuver, you can get rid of one stress, one deplete, and one strain token. So, uh, you know, there's a good chance that that token could just go away. Now, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to do it besides doing the extra action. So, um, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't do it. 
but um, I don't know. I if it's like more than a point, more than the ninth read generic, I don't think this ability is worth it. Yeah, I I I agree. I agree. But I do think the gunner that you mentioned is kind of interesting, um, right? Because it can go on the ship and it can also go on the uh, TIE SFs. Um, so that gives them a chance to potentially get back some of their missiles. So you could, um, you know, be a little bit more aggressive maybe in shooting off those missiles, get your target lock with your reload this turn, and then next turn you're having a double-modded missile attack. That that seems like it could be uh, worth it, and it, if it's, you know, pretty cheap, which honestly mm -hmm. I think it is going to be, uh, you know, it gives you a, a pretty consistent three-die attack with the TIE SFs, without needing to spend that money for SF Gunner. Yeah, and because the you know, TIE SFs just need more white-linked actions. I, they don't have enough right now. <laughs> oh no, they're giving us more stuff. Yeah, right, and, like and I, I imagine they can, they can cost, because this is First Order only, uh, and there's really only... There's, I think the only ship with a Gunner slot in the First Order is the TIE Bomber uh, and the TIE SF. Um, so they can. They, they, I don't think there's anything too crazy broken. They have to worry about this with uh, costing it. So they should be able to cost it pretty aggressively because I don't see any crazy combos with this. No, I don't either. Right? I mean, it's just basically a way to reload and get a double mounted attack next turn. Mm -hmm. um, which you know, I think, I think the SFs could could use. It's right. also one other thing I will say, and I, again, I might be stretching here. Um, but that's what these spoilers are for, right? Is, uh, one of the techs we, like, never see is, uh, targeting synchronizer. Um, which is, admittedly, it's four points. It should not be four points, and I don't know why it's still so expensive. But it's while a friendly ship at range one to two performs an attack against a target you have locked, they can ignore the target lock requirements. Um... So that could be something with these bombers reloading, getting locks, and then letting other ships in the list take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, targeting synchronizer is very good, right? Like, it's it, it, if you're able to make it work, it can give you a lot of value because you get those lower, uh, you know, initiative munitions off. Um, the problem is that oftentimes your higher initiative ship that you're taking it on wants to spend that target lock. Where here they're not able to do that this turn, so yeah, I could I could see that being a, a combo that's potentially worth uh, worthwhile. It it frees up a lot of the um, I don't I don't want to use the word stress incorrectly here, but of, of making sure you're you're target locking the correct ship that you're going to be able to to get in arc. Where here you could just honestly have everyone target locked <laughs> and be launching you know at least single modded. Uh, you know, torpedoes against everyone, and if you really want to go crazy, you throw a munitions failsafe on there, and if it happens to be a, a dud, you just cancel the attack. Yeah. I mean, now at this point, we're talking, you know, four points for for the uh, the targeting synchronizer, one point for munitions failsafe, plus whatever your ordinance is, so maybe we're getting a little expensive, but um, it's it's not a bad idea. Um, I I don't know. I, I think this is a good card. Like, I'm actually... I think this is mm -hmm. really good for the SFs. I, I have no idea how good it'll be for the Bombers yet, because they do already have that white reload. Um, and white reload into Red Evade, when you know you're not going to be able to shoot, is not a horrible thing, except for the fact that the dial sucks so much. 
The blues, yeah, it's it's awful. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the battles get, but the blues are, are really rough. And that's, yeah, again, the other thing with these ships is with that system phase uh, boost, you can set up that next turn even better with that, you know, roll up, evade, uh, evade reload target lock, and then next turn use that boost in a, in a like a hard two to, or whatever, to, to set yourself up. Um, man, these ships have so much potential. I, I can't wait to see how much these things cost and get them on the table. Yeah, I generally am not interested in stuff like bombers, but that that system boost really is making them intriguing. <laughs> How many are you guys gonna buy? I'm going uh, two boxes. Two boxes. Same, same here. I think four bombers and two whispers. I think is the the optimal number. I don't think I'll ever want to use more than two, more than two or four. Meanwhile, five whispers ends up becoming like you know the world champ list. I won't. I wouldn't fly it anyway. Here's a two hundred and fifty dollar list for you. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, are you seeing anything that we're missing with this, the this gunner, or I guess dread too? Yeah. I think dread just sucks. <laughs> no, I'd agree. Like dread, I, I maybe one day someone will think of some janky combo, where it'd be good, but I don't see anything special there. And um, no, like reloading, it's not always. Being able to bank a target lock for later, it's good. Especially your reload, like you're withdrawing. You re you're gonna re you want to reload anyways. You want to replenish your missiles. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I'm just trying to think of like what missile I, I would like it most on. Like I'm almost thinking like just throw it on homing missiles and just you know give yourself more guaranteed like auto damage. Right, they're not gonna be yeah. taking that that uh four die attack. You could also do prockets. Uh, I mean, Prockets actually are not bad if you think you can get Bullseye, because then you're going to be having a double modded one that next turn. So, yeah, I don't know. I think this is uh, a good card for them. I hope it's cheap. Like, you know, I'm probably going to be way off here, but like two, three points, right? Not I think points. it, 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 it comes points, right? it comes down to what is, if, at two, if it's any more than two to three points, is it really worth taking? Because they already have a white reload. So all you're really adding is white reload into a target lock, a white target lock. I mean, so I'll how be honest, much does I, I view cost? this as being more for the SFs than for the bombers. Yeah. Like I, I could be wrong there, but I, I feel like this is meant as an SF buff. Okay. You're probably right, though. I do think Procket, uh, Procket bombers, I think, might have some some t some possibility. Again, with that systems phase boost, I think rocket bomb bombers could uh, could definitely be a. Th yeah, I agree. Boosting is always good. Um, yep. And they're nice. They're they're tanky enough that they'll. You're, you're not gonna initiative kill them easily before they can get a rocket off or whatever. So. Uh, all right. So then the last card is electro chaff missiles. And we don't really know everything that this one does yet, but we, we, have, we potentially yeah, we, do. We kind of do thanks to Reddit, but we don't yet because of AMG. Uh, but this is a uh, a missile and a payload slot, uh, and it is limited to two of them. And during the system phase, you get to launch a electro chaff cloud using a three bank uh, or four straight template. So it's going pretty far, and uh, you place a fuse marker on it. And that's all they gave us, but, but Reddit gave us more. So do you want to summarize that, yep. Chance? So uh, the Electrochaff Cloud is an object. It's not an obstacle. 
Um, so during the end phase, you remove uh, any of the clouds that don't have fuse markers, and then remove a fuse marker from each cloud. So unless you use, um, what is it, delay, uh, what's the, what's the thing fuses. that adds fuses? Delayed fuses. Unless you have delayed fuses, these are only staying around for two turns. Um, so the actual cloud has the effect of, while a ship is at range zero, they cannot be locked, jammed, or coordinated by other ships, so that's friendly or enemy. After a ship moves through or overlaps a chaff cloud, it skips its perform action step, then it gains one jam and breaks all locks on it. Um, and then while a ship defends, if the attack is obstructed by an electro, uh, by a chaff cloud, it rolls one additional defense die. So the normal obstacle, one extra die. Um, is, is it so these the same, are... though, or is it different? Right, it's, it's, yeah, if the attack it's... is obstructed by an electro chaff, yeah, because the electro chaff cloud is an object. Instead of Objects an obstacle. don't normally add extra dice. Right, so if, like, you're behind, uh... if you're behind a chaff cloud and, you know, a gas cloud, you'd be adding two dice, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, well, uh... Is, is some, uh, what's, I'm sorry, Chance, what was the wording exactly on? It's it while, just while a ship defends, if the attack is obstructed by an electrochaff cloud, it rolls one additional defense die. I guess it depends what the rules reference says for obstructed. Yeah, last I checked, when you're obstructed, you have to choose one of the two. Because I know of, like... Uh -huh. Your, if your attack's obstructed by, like, say, a gas cloud and an asteroid, you have to choose which effect you get, either the one from the asteroid or the one plus the evade from the gas cloud. So here's what it, it says. While a ship performs an attack, if the attack is obstructed by an obstacle, the defender rolls one additional defense die. And uh, here they're making it clear that it is an object. An object, yeah. So this might add, like, an additional defense die on top of if it's somehow obstructed by both an obstacle and this. Yeah, and objects are defined as ships, obstacles, and devices are all objects. Mm -hmm. um, the exact... Yeah, so I I think it might work. I don't know. But it's... uh, That would be cool as a way to, you know, potentially get an additional green die there. Uh, and since you're having to skip your action step, if you're going over it, you know, you might really need that extra green die. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, so yeah, I didn't this... mean to cut you off if you're... No, no, you're, you're fine. I just said, I think, I think this is really nice. It, it's kind of weird, because it kind of has both a pro and a con to it. Like, if you move through it, right? You skip your perform action, but you're not getting stressed. You don't take damage or anything like that, like a rock or debris. Um, you get jammed, but you also break all locks on you. So there's, like, a weird pro and con to this. Um... And then, like, while you're range zero of it, you can't be locked, jammed, or coordinated. Uh, so there's a lot of effects to this, and it's, besides the, I, I don't know, it's, it's very unique. I actually really like it. I, I kind of wish they lasted longer than two rounds, personally. Yeah, but and, I see and you what, actually but cannot delay fuse it, because uh, it is not a bomber mine, so it's only ever done ah, the two rounds. Yeah, I mean, I understand why, because they're, it's a huge cloud. Uh, it's that that thing we saw on the spread, so it's it's big, but uh, I do wish it lasted longer than two rounds because I don't know. I feel like it lasts. You know, you 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 roll up to an initial engage, you shoot it out to uh, to for the jam effect. An enemy ship flies through it. Uh, 
and then you get that's the only use you get out of it then it's basically going to be irrelevant the rest of the game because it shoots out so far i doubt a ship would fly through it multiple times yeah no i i do agree with that um but keep in mind with two rounds right if the average game you know, it's 12 to 15 rounds, something in that range. True. You know, two rounds of engagement is a big chunk of that game. So, I I mean, I agree. I, like, it, it feels like two rounds feels very short. But uh, in practice, I don't know if it's going to have that same type of, of feeling. So, yeah, this this kind of has... It, I, I almost get like an old... Like a, like a gas cloud vibe through it where there's sometimes that benefit of just flying straight through the gas cloud you yeah you lose your action but then you get the obstruction you know you might get a strain but you get the extra evade die where same thing for this you fly straight through it yeah you get jammed but if someone has a lock on you with a proton torpedo you fly through the cloud you get jammed but now they can't tor they can't you know uh fire their torpedo at you and you also get the extra uh the extra defense through it as well so you also depending on how you do it you can you can maybe line it up to to kind of like how uh droids do it with the um uh what i can't remember anything right now grappling uh, hmm like with their struts you mean talking you about mean the, oh the, discord uh, missiles discord, yeah. yeah the buzz droids and the discord missiles kind of how they shoot them out and put it on a ship in a way that it can't avoid it um, you can put this on like an I-5 or I-6 ship and then it can't be coordinated by other ships as well as long as it's on that. And it's probably going to be moving after the coordinated ship does. So you can potentially lock down the ability for a ship to get coordinated. Yeah, and then they're going to get jammed and have to skip their perform action step. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it could be a, a way to really just go up and murder a ship. Yeah. Right, which is ironic, because that's not really what a, a, a chaff is supposed to do, right? Like, that's more defensive, but... <laughs> well, breaking the... It's like you want to put the chaff in between you and the missiles coming towards you. Mm -hmm. Normally. Yeah. The, the, on the other thing to note, though, is that, like you said, this does take your missile and your payload. So the only ship that can take this, obviously, for the First Order is the TIE is the fo bomber which leaves it with i think it, i think they have a torpedo as well um i'm trying to think what other ships would really like this though what other ships also have a, a missile and a payload slot the, there's what the y-wing y-wings k-wings the the tie bomber bomber yeah punishers um actually do oh god i hate saying this do do fire, fire sprays? sprays. Yep, fire sprays torpedo. sure do. Oh, it has a... right. Yeah, they get the torpedo with the uh, Slave 1 title, I think it is. Well, no, they inherently have a missile slot and a payload slot. Right, yeah. No one they... ever takes missiles on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they, they could do it. Um... Oh, man, that's, that's, that's actually... Oh, man. Would you rather have the bo a bomb, though? Yeah, you're you're probably right. I'm ah. Uh... Hmm. Still, fire sprays already should have enough. So like a K. I mean, like, say like the bomber has two bombs. Does the bomber have two bombs? Well, I can't even remember. 
what the the, the tie bomber? The tie bomber does have two bomb slots and two missile slots. I K-wing think has. only the Punisher has. The Punisher has two bomb and two payload. The K Wing does. K Wing has two missile slots, right? Because yeah, the the Tie Bomber does also have two and two. I think the K Wing could do it too. Could take that and. Uh, Uh, Yeah, the K Wing. Yes. Yes. Is there anything? What's the uh, uh, what's the ship Nims on? That's the um. Oh, the Skurg bomber. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't have a missile slot, though. Uh, that only has for, payload. Yeah, resistance, it looks like. Uh, just Can the, the I think just Star the Fortress? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the Y-Wing. Yeah, and Y-Wing would just be the only one for Republic. And, uh... You mean the... Just like the, um... This is a Republic Y-Wing has a torpedo slot, right? It does definitely have a torpedo slot. Not a... Uh, it does not have the missile slot. Yeah, you're right. It does not have the missile slot. Um, it needs the war... I think this is the wartime loaded give it the missile slot. Well, this is the Republic. The resistance. Oh, resistance. I'm... Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you were totally right on that, Jonathan. Um... I couldn't remember some things. <laughs> That's because you have to play your son, and he loves your uh, he loves his Y-wing. He only right? likes Y-wing. <laughs> it's weird. I've only lost one game in in-person play in the last um, year. Weird no. parts that that missile slot because some stuff has it, and some think wood doesn't. And what's the difference in space between a torpedo and a missile? I I actually have no idea. <laughs> Well, I think the, the the difference between torpedoes and missiles in Star Wars doesn't really actually make sense from <laughs> what I know about torpedoes and missiles. Um, I think that might be all the ships. Yeah, and the, the droid ones it. have a the like the hyenas. Oh, can. of course oh, they do. Yeah. yeah, the gunship uh, can. Yeah, so the gunship. The gunship. The... Oh yeah, the gunship. The gunship oh, the does have. Yeah. I didn't realize the HMP had a payload slot. I've never seen them take payload before. I was thinking of the hyena. Yeah, so both of those can do it, and then their fire spray as well, because all the good stuff is for fire sprays. Um, so yeah, I would say overall not a ex- super exciting list of spoilers, but I guess at least it's not a, uh, a post saying that they're no longer producing content for the game, so we've got that going for us. Um... <laughs> So and, and it's uh, September fourteenth is the release date, if I remember right. Twenty fourth, I believe. Twenty fourth. Um, That's right. Yes, yeah, so, and uh, but they are going to be, I guess, available for early purchase at Gen Con if anyone is doing that. Um, but otherwise, I, we might be tapped out of uh, news from that until the new mini stravaganza, which is, I think you said, the ninth through the eleventh. Is that right? Correct. Uh, and hopefully we're going to be getting the points change by then, uh, some new spoilers, and maybe even a preview for whatever is coming next. So we I'm do have some exciting a, stuff coming up. A hyperspace format update as well. One one can dream. Oh yeah, I I agree. We definitely need a, a refresh on both points and the hyperspace. Um, so yeah, I think these next few weeks are going to be pretty exciting in X-Wing land. Um. So I'll be excited to talk about them with with all you guys afterwards. 
Um, anything else you uh, want to cover today, anyone? You know, actually, I have a question for you. I guess more for Brett. Um, so I know you played a lot. Of, you've played a lot of TTS. Going from TTS back to in person, how did you find the change? Uh, like TTS tournaments in person. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. Um, TTS gets real. Just getting to look at someone face to face and play them is what this game is all about. I really got pretty burnt out on TTS because I didn't have that social interaction involved. Like I would play with Chance a lot. I would play with Andrew a lot, um, and that's fine, right? I'm, like, good friends with them, but playing people I didn't know got really uncomfortable, and in person, that that's not really an issue, right? Like, it's nice to meet new people there. Um, so it's great to actually be on the board, get that tactile feel again, and it's nice now getting to, you know, meet people I had not met before and have that experience. So everything about going back to uh, the table has been fantastic, I guess, except for, you know, the lack of precision. We all got kind of really used to our ships being moved perfectly and bumped oh my perfectly. God, I, I have bumped so many ships in the last two months. I feel I felt so bad. Yeah, like by, by the the second or third turn of my first match, like one of my ships was like fifteen degrees off from from the other ships, and I was like, okay, well, I clearly just don't remember what I'm doing here with moving ships properly. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's also the kind of imprecision that makes this game fun. I think, like, right, like, it's, I don't know, I, going back to sports ball for chance here, um, like, you know, baseball, right, there's an umpire who calls balls and strikes, they could just have a robot do it, I think the game would lose some of its charm if there wasn't the, you know, the fact that different umpires have different strike zones, and you kind of have to know that going into it, so I'm, I'm all for the lack of precision that comes from in-person play, as long as you're, you know, just trying to not, like, knock everything over. Um, you know, the fact that you're not moving it perfectly is, is fine, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll, I'll back that up. Like, TTS was great when in-person play wasn't available at all. Like, it really was a godsend, and I do think it more or less saved X-Wing uh, realistically. But at this point, uh, TTS is great for... I, I like it a lot for practice, testing new lists and practicing and whatnot. But other than that, I'm I'm done with TTS. Yep, I agree. Um, anything else? Uh, I'm good. All right, cool. Well, thank you, uh, everyone who uh, stuck with us. Um, I know we kind of got a little bat repy there, maybe in the beginning, but uh, you know, just being able to play in person is great. Um, check us out on Facebook, uh, come join our discord. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're always there willing to talk to everyone. Um, and, uh, again, thank you to Mike Bird. You are a massive, uh, massive, you know, boom to our community. And I'm very glad I get to go to your events. Uh, uh one, one small shout out, um, Tuesday, if you're in the area, uh, Tuesdays at showcase games in Swarthmore, we have started, been starting to have more more and more people show up so if you are looking to get some in-person x-wing whether it's just some casual play or you want to practice some competitive stuff uh come on out we uh the more the more the merrier and i'm, I'm gonna be bringing some try hard lists and some just kind of fun janky stuff uh so every every tuesday usually around five o'clock is when people start showing up so if you're in the area definitely swing by 
Okay, and you know what? I actually have one more thing I want to add because uh, you talking reminded me of this about your your list. Uh, so Chance and I today had a rules disagreement, right? Not not a big yep. disagreement, but it was just simply like, oh, I think this is the way it works. And he's like, no, I think this is the way it works. Oh, he yeah, was Chance able to, is totally right. He was able to post on the rules <laughs> forum and get an official response in about 15 minutes. And From the fact, D. Yeah, and the fact that AMG has this system set up is phenomenal, right? These are the ty- types of questions that we would go months without knowing the answer to back when FFG had the game. Um, and so just the fact that they are willing to, to put this resource out for all of us makes me optimistic about the, the future of this game. Um, so that was a really cool thing that I thought we had happen today, and I think it's worth pointing out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Plus, AMG I was right and you for, were wrong. Yes, you were right. And and I'm very happy with it, right? Like, it was a ruling that I, I did not like. So, um, so yeah, that, that was great, too. Um, so, thanks, AMG, you know, for putting that out there. And hopefully it means that you're just going to keep uh, supporting this game that we all love. So, I guess now I'll stop rambling. Uh, and if no one else has anything else, we will say goodnight. Yeah. All right, well, then. Good night. Good night.